podcastjuice.net. The planet is restless, Captain. They want their podcast. And they shall have it. I'll beam down to the surface. You have the bridge. Captain, that is illogical. These are Trek fans. They will challenge and dissect your knowledge with great emotion. It is a mission fraught with danger, peril, and grave risk. Suggestions. Send in the red shirts. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. It was a long trip back from the Delta Quadrant. One of my crew members mispiloted the ship. We got lost in the Badlands, but we're back. Who's blaming us? Yeah, I am. I, I just sit in the middle chair. I sit in the center chair. You guys, I, I said, of course, I expect you to follow my orders. Now you just be, oh, you know what that reminds me? I just thought of another thing I want to put on my list for, uh, and it, it has to go to the top three. And in case you're wondering what I'm talking about, yes, this episode is going to be more free form, more free flowing, and it's going to be full of bitching. Okay. <laughs> Well, I'm going to have to bleep that out so they won't know what I'm saying. It's going to be full of gripes. But you know what? <laughs> you know, we're going to be complaining, nitpicking, uh, deconstructing all the things about Star Trek that annoy us. But, you know, it's like we do it out of love. It's like that drunk uncle that comes to the picnic, the family reunion. You love him. You do love him. But you can't help talking about him behind his back. That's what we're doing right now. This is all out of love, but you know, there's just some things about Trek that I just got to get off my chest. Uh, you guys, have, you guys feel the same way, right? You know, this is how I look at it. <clears throat> oh, here we go. I got a lot of grievances I need to get off my chest. <laughs> so we're gonna start with the airing of grievances, and I did bring my Festivus poll. Nice. That's right. <laughs> I love a good sign Seinfeld Trek crossover. That's good. You might get. I think you're gonna get promoted to number one. For this, for this, for this uh, away team. What's it? That's it. <laughs> You're number one. What? What? What do you want to be captain too? What? Uh, what do we have re- rotating ranking for, for around here? <laughs> yes, there's only three of us piloting this starship. I, I, I want so to give you next, all a chance. So the next week you can be, you know, acting against the Q star. Uh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> that's not going to happen. And if, it, if if you try, I'll just have to uh, blow your head off with my phaser like they did in Conspiracy in TNG. Yeah, that could be a problem. <laughs> easily the worst episode of TNG. You know, you know the episode I'm talking about, right? Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to insult your intelligence. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, th- we're going we're gonna to do some nitpicks. Let's just get right into it. Okay? And you know what? I'm not even going to go first this time, even though it would be my prerogative. Let's go to, I'm not going to go to Big Sexy because I know I'm going to cut him off. I know, <laughs> I know I'm going to have to give him the hook, the Apollo live hook. So let's go to, uh, let's go to Craig. Craig, what is it about Star Trek that just bothers you? What, what's, what's a nitpick? Give, give me a nitpick. I'll give you two from the original series. All right. The first is that they kept using the same matte paintings on planets when they visited. So if you're watching the series and you're paying attention, all of a sudden you just thought, haven't they been there before? It's the same freaking <laughs> matte painting in the background. It's a different planet. Um, the second one was also a production problem, was where there was an episode called Where No Man Has Gone Before, right? where they had a tombstone that said James R. Kirk. Of course, his name is Tiberius, middle name is Tiberius, so 
that was just that's a huge nitpick. When I see that episode, I want to scream. Now, how can we explain away that nitpick? Because we we want to make everything right and track. So how how do we explain that? Is there any way to I get don't around it? I don't. I think <laughs> no. There's no way to get around it. I don't think you can explain it away. Well, um, I'm going to give it a shot. All right. Uh, if I remember correctly, because I really do like that episode, his friend Gary something or other. Gary yeah. was his friend. Gary Seven. <clears throat> no. Gary Seven. That's right. That wasn't Gary Seven. Yeah. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. No. I, there was there was a there was a Gary Seven, but that's not the Gary same Gary. Um, matter of fact, John Byrne did a whole uh, comic book line about that character, uh, Simon Earth, I think. Yeah, the episode was called Simon Earth. Um, anyway, so I, I forget how close Gary and Kirk were. I know they were friends, but Gary, you know, psycho, uh, tele- telekinetically created that um, that gravestone, right? So he just didn't know yes. Kirk's middle name. Yeah, I guess that's a good way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you can't explain away in the matte paintings, though. Well, see, that's the now. See, now, see, we said we were going to keep this within the confines of Trek, so that just means that there are a lot of planets that look alike. <laughs> oh, the same buildings, on. everything. <laughs> yeah, that's all that means. Actually, I got another one I want to put on my list. Now that you all, right. all right, big sexy. Listen, we only have an hour, okay? What? So, I I know when you get on a tear, you know, I I got to ring you back in. But let me hear your first nitpick. All right, my first nitpick is very simple because I've been watching DS Nine lately, later seasons, and you mentioned this, and now it's in my head. When you look at the uniform change, oh, yes, they went to these gray things with the colors right. underneath the gray. Right. Now, first thing is those look indescribably hot. They do. So you, you don't know mean, they're uncomfortable. You don't mean hot as in uh, uh, Chase Masterson playing Lita. You don't mean that kind of hot, right? No, no. I, I've met her, too. She's gorgeous. Oh, no. man, I'm jealous. <laughs> she, she's really nice, too. And tall? But I digress. You know, they look incredibly hot. At one point, they have Cisco. You know, having a vest underneath his. Yep. yep. So I know he's just frying under there. And personally, I don't like that look at all. And it was done without any rhyme or reason. All of a sudden, we look up on one season. Hey, what the hell's this? That's exactly right. And I remember I texted you about that. Oh, yeah. Uh, so know, this that must have happened it. right after... Um, that must have happened right after First Contact, because I believe it was First Contact where we first saw those uniforms, am I correct? I thought it was, oh, the second film. I think you're right. The second uh, the second TNG film, which was the first contract. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, I will say this, and that was one of my gripes. You're right. right. I was thinking Generations. You're right. It was the first contact. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's one of my nitpicks. The, the constant, I'm talking about from um, the first TOS film, to now, they've had, what, eight costume changes? Yeah, that's way too many. What kind of a military... Now, we could debate whether Starfleet is military or not. I'm saying it's quasi-military. But what kind of a organization changes uniforms that much? I mean, it seems like whenever they hired someone new on the show, a costume designer, they had to put their own stamp on it. And I'm like, why? Why do that? Now, the, the black and gray uniforms with the colored... 
uh, sweatshirts or not, uh, what do you call them? Not cow necks, I can't remember. Uh, the shirts underneath. Yeah, I want to say tunic, but that's not it. Yeah, uh, I can't think of the word. But yeah, they um, got polar necks underneath them, right? Don't they? They're like a yeah, something like that. But um, they look the most realistic in terms of a uniform that a that an organization that's quasi-military would have. But in terms of camera, they just look they look so they're two dimensional. They're black and gray, you know. Exactly, and I hate it. I liked. Actually, I liked what do you call them, the the duty uniforms that they used on DS Nine. I liked the darker majority with the colored shoulders, as opposed to what they wore in, on TNG. Oh yeah, 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 right, right. They, they they wore that in Voyager as well. Yes, yeah, I, I preferred that. I think it works better for camera. Well, for camera, actually, what they wore in TNG in the third season works the best. For, for color. But for a realistic looking uniform, the black and gray is probably what a futuristic outfit or, or, or organization would wear. But it doesn't look good for camera. So I'm with you on that one. Uh, well, to me, I think that the, the original series movies, not, not including the first one, that those were, to me, the best looking military style uniforms. See, I didn't like those. It, he's right. Military style... Yeah. I think those yeah. were the best. And I got used to them because that's what they were wearing when I first really signed on to Star Trek. And I, I have a soft spot for those uniforms, but they don't look that great. Even I, I let it go because I like them because that's what I'm, I, I imprinted on those. But they really look uncomfortable, to be honest. And they, and they look hot, too. They do. Mm. Now, yeah, yeah, in fact, they... I've I've got the um, I've got the pattern to get one of those made, the one of the official patterns. I just never got it made. I always envisioned myself walking around on Halloween in the office wearing my uniform from the movies, but it never happened. But the, probably the most atrocious uniforms were from the Star Trek, the movie. Oh, yeah. They were wearing oh, jumpsuits. Oh. I mean, just what the, what the hell's going on there? Like I said, Logan's Run. <laughs> Logan's yep. Run uniform. Yep. I think I'd my... rock Go that ahead. uniform. I'd rock that jacket in the winter. It looks nice and warm and toasty. I think my favorite uniforms although they may not be practical for military, was the um, the third season of TNG, where they had the colored bottoms and black epaulets across the top. And my favorite, favorite, favorite any of any uh, uniform is Captain Picard's jacket. Ah, uh, the suede jacket. I think I mentioned this. I bought one of those at an auction. Uh, no, you didn't mention that. I'm, I'm pretty sure I did. I bought one of those... The only Star Trek convention I've ever been to, and I bought that for $250. And Mrs. Q didn't kill you? Well, this was back in, before I even, <laughs> before we Wise even talks. thought about getting married. Okay. <laughs> but I wore it to work one day, thinking no one would notice that it was Star Trek. And my co-worker said, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I sold it, and I wish I hadn't sold it. What? I did. Q caving into peer pressure? Yeah. What am I hearing? But I, I, that jacket was dope on the show. I, I, I really like that jacket. But okay, <clears throat> moving okay, on. Okay, quick, quick trivial question. Yeah. Who else had a jacket like that? Hmm. You say you speak of another jacket? I do. Was it someone on the crew? Yes. Well, it must have been, yeah. Uh, 
I have no idea. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any idea either. It was in the episode Ensign Row. At the end, Row took it off and gave it to a little girl on Bajor. Oh, wait a minute. That's a trick question. I, I thought you were suggesting... That's a trick were, question. I thought you were suggesting there were two jackets. Well, Picard had one. She had one. I, oh, I thought she took Picard's jacket. No. No. She took what? her own jacket. How did she get a jacket like that? I thought that was a captain's jacket. Hey, 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 I don't work here. I just don't report the news. All right, that's a new nitpick I'm going to put on my list. <laughs> All right. Okay, a lot of my nitpicks have to do with technology. I'm trying to think. Okay, let's go with the transporters. We, we all know that the transporters were Gene Roddenberry's uh, creation because at the time when they were producing the original series, they could not afford to do visuals where they were landing a ship every every episode. So he came up with the transporters, which is widely hailed as a brilliant idea. Here's my question. Two things. Now, if we let's go back to Star Trek for the voyage home. I think you know where I'm going to go with this, right? Maybe not. Okay. <laughs> it seems to me. Now let's just use some logic here. If you look, if you think about the transporter room, the transporter. Uh, area has however many pads on it where each person stands, right? Yeah. That tells me that one person is transported in, in an angular confinement beam. Okay? Yeah. So if that's the case, how is it that in Star Trek 4 and in other incarnations of Star Trek, such as Star Trek Beyond, we see but let's go back to Star Trek Four specifically. We see um, the the female scientist. I can't remember her name. Towards the end of the movie, she jumps in Kirk's arms when Kirk is beaming up. Sing, uh, you know, he says, you know, one to beam up or something like that, and she jumps in his arms. Wouldn't that be a problem? Yeah, you would think it would be a problem, right? Because obviously the computers are are, are expecting one person and now they've got two so what do they do with that if you if you remember back to that movie the fly where the fly gets into right his transporter and all of a sudden it becomes half human half fly you sort of expect that to happen but apparently the computers on the klingon ships in this case are able to deal with that oh and see that's you're not going to tell me that the klingons have better technology than uh the federation no <laughs> I, i'm not going to say that but the thing is I do believe Jordy LaForge once said, as he was talking to someone, Lieutenant Barkley, about transporter technology, he said, look, these things have triple redundancies built in. Accidents like this will not happen. And so I'm going to guess at that time, transporter tech was so ubiquitous that it was just a part of the design to have triple redundancies. So if the mass does move, it can extrapolate within an eyelash, you know, oh, this guy's mass has gained 100%. Okay, there's two people there, blah, blah, blah. And if you're going to reproduce every atom where it was spatially, it, should, it shouldn't be a problem. Yeah, but I now point you to, you're, you watched Voyager, right? Of course. I will point you to the episode Tuvix. Ah, ha, ha. I can, I can counter that. 
I do believe. <clears throat> well, let, but let me just let me just for the for people. I know we're all truckers here, and I'm sure everyone knows. But just in case, that was an episode of Voyager where Neelix and Tuvok uh, beamed up on an away mission. Something happened with the transporter, and they were merged into one being called Tuvix. So go ahead. And I couldn't stand Neelix, but I digress. <laughs> Considering they are in the Delta Quadrant, it is possible that atmospheric changes and and gravitational (laughs) pulls were things completely foreign to their database of computer stuff. So, at the planet they were at, there could have been something in the air that trends, you know, that interacted with their tech, and now we have a problem. So what you're saying is Jordy's an idiot when he talks about, oh, multiple redundancies. This thing, These things can't go wrong. <laughs> Jordy wasn't there, so, you know, what are you going to do? Well, I want to say science means that no matter what quadrant of space you're in, space has the same properties everywhere. <laughs> I would disagree because I believe there are M-class planets. There is a demon-class planet. There are different things, so I disagree with that. All right. Well, uh, real quick, I don't want to monopolize the time because I could easily do that. But if you can do site-to-site transports, why even go to the transporter room? Now, see, that I agree with. That's lazy. I don't get it. Yeah. Why do you need it? Why do you invest all the time when you build a starship? Let's build uh, a transporter room for each deck, but you can do site-to-site transports. So why would you invest that money? I think the idea is that the site-to-site transports or, or transporting to a place where there's no pads is more dangerous than if you go and stand in the transporter room. I think that was the idea of that. I always got the sense that when they did side to side, it was, it was a risky thing to do. Yeah. Well, here's, now here's the last thing. It seems like to me you shouldn't be able to talk while your atoms are being, while your molecules and atoms are being converted to energy like we saw in Star Trek II. We all recall that. Yeah. And... Yeah. It seems like if you are, let's say, sitting down when you're transporting or you're in some sort of physical um, pose when you're being transported, it seems like that pose should be the pose you remain in when you materialize on the transporter pad. Am I correct? And Kirk was the master of the transporter pose. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember one episode where... Um, well, actually, they, they, they didn't change poses, but it, it brings in the question of transporter pads. I remember someone was tending to someone who was laying down injured. They transported, and it ended up on the transporter pad in one pad. So I guess somehow these two people went through one confinement beam, and the guy was still laying down, but his body was overshooting the pads laying down. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I do, but if you look at the original series transporter pad and TNG, they have the individual pads, but they have that big pad right in the middle. Well, wouldn't it make sense just to make the whole thing a pad so you could transport as many people that could fit on that thing? Well, this is a ship of, I won't call it military, but this is a ship of, you know, the service. And, you know, they have to cut corners where they need to to <laughs> increase speed and all that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, Craig, what do you got? What do you got? Okay. 
I'm sure all of you agree with this. All the humanoids, all the aliens are humanoids. Not all of them. Yes. I, I don't yeah, see that. Yeah, most of them. That, that's They just got stuff in their head or, you know, whatever. So <laughs> I think that's unrealistic. They should have come up with some cool aliens that are not in humanoid sh shape. Uh, that was my pet peeve. Hey, Tribbles. Okay. I mean, almost all. I think I should have said almost all, right? Not every, but, but still, even the Horta was was not a human. So that's another example. The Horta, but, those yeah. the ones from TNG. No, that was original series. Horta, okay. Well, you know, TNG kind of um, addressed that. I think it was the episode called "The Chase," where they find yeah. a DNA map or guy post or something, and they all it was a Klingon, Romulans. And uh, our crew, the, the Enterprise crew, they all go to this planet. And I, I remember the, the, uh, the Klingon says something hilarious. There's some alien humanoid, and they say that they scatter their DNA throughout the galaxy. And um, the Klingons, and then, she, then, that, then the, 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 the being goes away, and it was a projection of something. And the Klingon says, uh, it's a good thing that alien wasn't here, because if they were, I would have just killed him. <laughs> <laughs> As if to say, this was a whole waste of time. This was some bull. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I kill it myself. Oh, yeah. that, that's what that's what he said, right? Yeah, something like that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. All right, so I like that guy too. So Craig, you, you you're upset about the humanoids? Yeah, I, I I hear what you're saying. Um, the, you know, I don't mind the humanoids so much. It's like do something different. Don't just slap something on their forehead. <laughs> Like the but I got the, the Bajorans got to be the lamest humanoid race there is. <laughs> they just have crinkles on their nose and they're. they're I disagree. Who do you got? I disagree. Who do you who do you uh, like less? The, the trill. They yeah. just got the little, the little tattoos around the edges of the face. That's Come true. On. That's true. That's lazy. But you know what? They have this. You're right. You're right. But they make up for it in the interesting symbiosis that they have. It makes it interesting. You know. But no, I come on, the, la the lamest have to be the guys that were black on one side and white on the other. Come on. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> but now since we're talking about this, I, I can answer this question immediately. Your least favorite humanoids? Appearance-wise not, not, not the lamest, but least, fa least okay. favorite <laughs> in terms of character development or just their... their the essence of who they are. I, for me, it's Ferengi, easily. Oh, and I like the Ferengi. The Ferengi I mean, are fun. I like, I like Nog, Rom, and Quark. I'm, I, that, so I got Big Sexy, I take the L. I like them watching DS9. Other than that, they see, they're the most improbable thing. It's a race built off making money. And it's, <laughs> it's cartoonish. Yeah. They're, car <laughs> they're cartoonish. Cute. <laughs> Would we you make money here. No, no, <laughs> no, no. That's their culture. That's their religion. <laughs> they have two hundred. <laughs> they have two hundred and fifty rules of acquisition. Is it two hundred and fifty rules or? See now you're <laughs> up. You gotta get some email now. <laughs> How many I don't rules? think it's two fifty. It's two hundred and thirty, maybe something like that. It's it's something in that area, but it's not two fifty. It's in the it's two in... mid two hundreds. Damn. <laughs> Send your email to QStorm. <laughs> I hate them. What do you? Who do you guys like the least? Well, there's so many. You know, I was gonna initially say the Packleds, 
Oh, they that's just, a good one, yeah. They cracked me up. They were just so stupid. But for some reason, I do not like the Kazon. Ah, uh, yeah. Broccoli heads. Or weed the heads. broccoli heads, yeah. Or, I just don't get that. That was a weird looking design, wasn't it? Yeah. That is hilarious. <laughs> what do you got, Kirk? Who do you like the least? <sighs> Um, I, I'm I'm going to screw up and not remember the name, but it was the aliens that had the antenna on their head. Oh, from original Antarctic? series. From original Andorian. series, but then they they brought them back. Um, Enterprise. Was it Enterprise or something? Yeah. That sounds One was right. played by my personal friend Jeffrey Combs. Really? Jeffrey wow. Combs. He well, he plays Wayun. Yes, he does. Nice. Okay. All right. Wait a minute. Oh, when did he play? When, what are they, Andorians? Is that what their name is? He played an Andorian in Enterprise. He played Wayun, and he also played Liquidator Brunt, a Ferengi. I just finished that episode. Okay, so I wanted to put him down as, because um, I do a, um, I keep track of people who make multiple appearances. Wow. It, that that actor's killing Ducat. the cop. Uh, what's that now? You must have got Gull Ducat. What about Ducat? He played, oh, God, he played... Mark Alamo, you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. N nice guy, too. He played a Louisiana gambler in yep. that one two-parter with Data, Times Arrow. He played Gull Ducat. He also played Gull Massette in another episode in TNG for that, in that included the Cardassians. I think he played the one when when the Cardassians debuted on Trek, right? The wounded, right? Yes. Yes, yeah. I forgot that. Yes, he was yeah. there too. He's an excellent actor too. He he really plays that role. All right, whose whose turn is it? Craig. My turn. Craig, what? what do you got? Nitpick away. Nitpick away. Okay, let's see. Um, well, I think the only other one I, I wrote down, I didn't want to write too many down, was when the ships attacked. No matter which series you're looking at, the consoles explode. It's kind of stupid. Yeah, <laughs> that's that out yet? really, dude. Really, come on, it's true, right? How come the consoles explode every time someone attacks the ship? I mean, didn't they figure that out in the next generation? How to solve that problem? <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, because if it's you know it's feedback, you know, uh, energy surges. Yeah, right. <laughs> Someone just has to put a fuse in there. Come on. <laughs> exactly. I, I love it, but I, I love it. Well, this is this is a, a nitpick along those lines. It's not on my list, but how how delicate these ships are. Yeah. It, you yeah. know, it's like yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, they get hit like maybe twice. Warp drive is down. <laughs> Shields are thirty percent. Like what the hell? What are you doing? <laughs> Hey, the other thing about the consoles is in the later series, not the original series, but the later ones, the rocks came out of the consoles too. Rocks? What? what? You, yeah, every every time there was an explosion, rocks would come out. What what appeared to be rocks? Obviously, it's supposed to be shrapnel or whatever, but it looked like rocks. I've never seen that. Where did you see that? What? Up? Tell me what. Where you saw? I don't that? remember now, but it, yeah, many times you would see like these rocks come out of for some unknown reason, come out of the consoles. I I gotta yeah. be looking for that now. Yes. Well, all right. Uh, Big Sexy, is it your turn or mine? Go ahead. Okay. Universal Translator. Okay, listen. <laughs> listen. How the hell can you translate uh, a language if you've never met the race? Well, hold on. I can explain that. I'm waiting. Oh, 
Oh, shit. <laughs> now, in the Federation and surrounding worlds in the Alpha Quadrant and maybe some of the, the Beta Quadrant, I'm sure, like, for instance, we, Federation people, have a deal with the Klingon, Klingon Empire. So, theoretically, the Klingons could have met the Paclets, exchanged their linguistic databases, and then given it to us. Thus, we haven't met the Paclets, but we know their language and our universal translators. But is there any race that we wouldn't have known? When I say we, I mean uh, the Federation. Is there any race that the Klingons would know that we wouldn't know? Well, considering they were at war for the longest time, and you know, a lot of that region of space we weren't allowed into, so that's very possible. But what you know really stands out is, again, Voyager. They go out to the Delta Quadrant, and they're talking to people, and they're talking to f- um, to, uh, Neelix. He just walks up, hi, we need water. <laughs> really? Fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, I, got, I, I probably would have said, what the, who are you? <laughs> you look like a cockroach. Get out of here. I can't stand Neelix. I, oh, I, grew, to, I, grew, to like, I grew to like Neelix. I hated Neelix. I hated well, Neelix too, but I grew to like him. I think well, he became one of the most fleshed out characters on the show after after. They did season. flesh him out, but you know who I hated more. Now, now you got me started. Who's that? Doctor Flox on Enterprise. Yes, sir. Oh, oh. that was a Neelix ripoff. Why would you do oh, that? It was a bad Neelix ripoff. It was the name Flox. Who's gonna oh, take that seriously? Doc Flox. I hated the actor on top of it. I just, it was just a waste all the way around for me. Yeah. Yeah, but now I wanted to make a point about the translator. Is I'm quite sure there were some episodes, maybe if not just one episode, that dealt with the case where the translator could not translate you right away. It had to you take some time. So it, apparently, it learns quickly, but it needs some time to learn. If you come across a race that's talking a language it hasn't come across, there was an episode. I want to say it was Voyager. It was, was it DS. No, it was maybe it was DS Nine early on, where there. And I think we talked about this. There was this woman who um, was married to like two or three different men. They met this race uh, and this woman and they could not, the, the, the translators did not work initially. Mm. Well, that also happened in the episode where Odo in DS9, Odo and Quark and Rom went back into time in the U.S., and they're at the in like the forties or fifties and they get stuck on this army base with a very hot Megan Gallagher and they couldn't understand each other because they're saying, Look, we can't understand them oh. because our universal translators aren't working. I think that was called Little Green Men with Quark. That was it. Yes. No, I don't think oh did Odo go back with them? I thought it was just Odo was Odo was with them. Okay. Okay. Because he ended up being a dog most of the show. You know, I, I remember, um, I thought it was fascinating hearing the Ferengi talk to each other in their language. Yep. So are we to understand that when we watch these shows, they're all, re- I wonder what the ratio is to aliens that are actually speaking English or speaking their language, and we hear English the universal translator. And here's the other thing. If they are, if, if Quark was speaking Ferengi to the, the other Ferengi, I'm just curious to know: do they do they speak their own language with each other? And if that's the case, shouldn't we be seeing subtitles? The only race that does that is the Klingons. What do you mean? I mean, because you know, I've seen the Klingons, you know, 
cuss each other out. And I remember somebody said something to uh, Riker one day, and Riker's like, "What?" And he's all, "Only a Varul yeah. would say something like that." That's my favorite like, episode. The effect. <laughs> he, he lit him. He lit him up. And then I've seen uh, Klingon step to Picard, and he fired right back on him. I've never seen the Romulans speak a language, nor have I seen the Cardassians speak a language. Well, what the I'm only one I've seen do it is Klingons. What I'm saying is, when you have two alien races of the same species talking to each other, I'm assuming they would be talking their native language, so we shouldn't be able to understand as the listener, as the audience, what they're saying. We should be hearing their native language and seeing subtitles. And the other thing is, when the universal translator is working, their mouths should not be mouthing English words. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait, you're gonna nitpick that and hey, I can't nitpick Crusher? Craig just oh, Craig just nitpicked about exploding consoles when it should have getting hit <laughs> by photon torpedoes. What's the matter with you? <laughs> you're right. You're right about uh, them talking and their mouths are, um, are saying English words and not their native language. I, I agree with you there. I guess ultimately my question is does do the does the universal translator do away? with the need for people to learn other people's language. And I would no. think, in, in, in that case, it might not be a good thing because, like when Dax, do, do, do Trill, do they speak different languages? Does Dax speak, a, or, um, yeah, I, the, the Trill, do they speak a different language? Like when, like if, if the Universal Translator breaks, do, do Worf and Jadzia have no relationship because they can't communicate? That's a good question. Yeah. You know? I wonder, if Actually, is, is English mandatory? Is, are, are they like on their Trump in the no, Federation? I knew it. I knew it. No, they're not on their Trump. Is English but, mandatory? But think about it. Back in the episode called Genesis in okay. TNG, yeah. Worf all of a sudden couldn't speak English. Or couldn't because, speak at all, actually. Because he was turning into a, a viper. That's why. That's a totally no, different he was, thing. No, he was, well, he was de-evolving. Right. But, and neither could... Uh, Troy, the Betazoid. Right, because they were, they were devolving. It had nothing to do with their ability it, or their true. knowledge. They were Another lame race, by the way. Well, the Betazeds? Yes. I kind oh, of I agree. Know. I kind of agree. All this I, telepathic shit. Get out of here. Well, I've made my <laughs> feelings clear about... I mean, I love the actress. If Marina is listening, I thought she was great. I thought they could have done more with that character. And they did towards the latter... Yeah, of TNG. When, they, when she went into command, that was really cool. Yes, yes. Okay, who's next? Who's up next? We'll do, uh, let's do maybe one more each. All right. In the film world, too much emphasis on data. Well, that's, you know, again, that's I, not really a nitpick in the universe, so that's a nitpick okay, for producers. I, I, I resent. Okay. Let's back up. All right. Then... Now, I, I, can I just say real quick, a legitimate yeah. data nitpick would be they can't make an android that looks more realistic than that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what were you going to say? I'm sorry. I was going to say on Voyager. Yeah. Show starts. They get Lieutenant Paris out of the slammer. Uh-huh. Make him Lieutenant Commander off the bat. Hmm. He does something stupid, gets a reduction in rank, to uh-huh. lieutenant. Right. No, no. Ensign. We're back to Ensign. And they, you know, a few months go by, they put him back to lieutenant. My man, Harry Kim, can't get a promotion? Well. Harry well, got no love. Harry, well, he became a captain, though. He, he got, um, 
He started. Uh, he started becoming captain of the night shift. Wow. Well, <laughs> I mean, Paris never sat in the center chair. Captain of the night. Paris got to run around with his little Delta flyer. No, because he built it. <laughs> How? Look, Harry was lieutenant. Right. Paris was lieutenant. Gets busted to ensign, and then restored back to lieutenant. And Harry's just standing there looking like an idiot. And if he's captain of the night crew, wow. Who's his crew? Neelix? <laughs> because he's saluting wow. everybody else on the ship. It was just a bunch of red shirts. So I guess, I guess that exactly. says a lot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, they put the more inexperienced people on the night shift. Which, oh, oh, that reminds me. Oh, I got to remember. This is the nitpick. This is the nitpick of nitpicks. Is it my turn or is it Craig's turn? I don't want to go out. You, you can go. That's okay. In every episode of Star Trek I've ever seen, whenever people ask, how old are you? Or whenever they talk about age or whenever they talk about the number, uh, a length of time, they all, all they say is, they say, uh, it'll be five days or I'm 17 years old or when I was 10 years old. Does that mean, does that mean the Federation is so powerful that they made all the planets in the Federation spin on the same axis? And every day is the same amount of time? Well, maybe in their ship, they've got their clocks attuned back to San Francisco time, where the Federation is located. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're telling me the Ferengi, well, the Ferengi aren't part of the Federation, are they? They're not Federation planet, are they? They must be. They have to be. Because Nog Nog is... No, Nog is in Starfleet, so Ferengi must be a Federation planet. No. Okay. I don't believe the Ferengi are part of the Federation. Okay, all I'm saying to you is, that, are you telling me that other planets would be like, yeah, we'll change our calendar to suit you guys? <laughs> I don't think so. Give me one example of that. Of what? Of, of, of foreign culture, you know, using Earth time. Well, I'm not saying they're using Earth time necessarily, but what I'm saying is it's annoying. I, I can't speak to anything specific, but I know it's. I've seen it. Um, I've when I'm sure there was there's been an episode or something where where Kira was talking about being in the occupation when I was a little girl or I was five years old. Sudden, yeah, yeah, this and that happened. Okay, well, five who, years. Who, who was she talking to? Though? I don't remember. I, I, I don't remember specific, but I'm just saying people have made references to age and lengths periods of time and they just they just act like no one ever says well is that uh klingon time or is that a klingon solar day or is that a uh a bajoran solar day you know that never that never becomes up as a question i'm sure these planets have different lengths of time when they're as they rotate i'm glad you said that phrase because that's something that always bugged the out of me too what's that because I remember watching the original series once, and something broke. And Kirk is like, Spock, what's up, man? How long is it going to take? Spock said, one solar day. As opposed to a regular day? <laughs> Help me out. Well, uh, see, that, that that's even more frustrating. Well, I was like, well, Spock, a solar day by Earth standards or by Vulcan standards? Or can you be more specific, pal? What? How about a solar? What the hell is a solar day? A solar day is like... On Earth, it would be from 12 a.m. to 12 a.m. Okay. As opposed to what, then? A that's work my, day? That's uh, what? Like a work day, then? Like 9 to 5? 
Right. When you say a day, when when you speak colloquially, I had a I had a horrible day. You you're thinking from the hours, the waking hours, from like seven to to five p.m. or six p.m. But a solar day is literally twenty four hours. But the way Spock would say it, I mean, because you yeah, ask Scotty, I Captain, I'm gonna need some hours. Yeah, he was cool about it. But but Spock was one solar day, like it was extra heavy. <laughs> but my, you get my uh, point. It's like there, there's no standard. How when whenever someone says how old they are, or so, it needs to be it needs to be qualified. <laughs> I agree. You know, I agree. I I've always hated that. Okay, who's next? You know what? I hate the Bajorans too. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. So. This has got to be my favorite nitpick. Uh-huh. <clears throat> the destruct sequences of the ships are oh. frighteningly <laughs> very easy to guess. I love this about you, man. <laughs> Seriously, I'm a, I'm a security guy. There's, these things are very easy to guess. You can blow up a whole starship by just saying a few numbers. I mean, like, <laughs> listen, you know, the original from the, from the Enterprise, the first sequence the first person says is, one one a the second person says one one a two b so that's almost the same thing <laughs> so hacker must have had a great day on that one let's see if we can hack into the ship and then the final sequence is zero 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 destruct zero that's easier than one two three as a password think about that <laughs> uh, you've brought this up before and i can't say i disagree with you but it makes me uh now i have a trivia question since we we're talking about numbers what is the um and it's the same movie too. What is the um, the frequency code of the Reliant? Oh man, I don't remember. Oh come on, man! Star Trek Two. Uh, big sexy. Okay. Come on, man. What is the Shield Generation code of the Enterprise? What is that? The intellectual equivalent of running away from an argument? <laughs> uh, actually, it is. <laughs> Hey, look over there, a big bird. <laughs> <laughs> it's one six three zero nine. Now, when you say frequency, is that the shield frequency or or what? Well, okay, technically, the, it's the frequency of the ship. I, I don't know if I'm using the right word frequency, but it oh command codes. That's what they were called, command codes. Oh yeah, that's, right. uh, oh, that's different. That doesn't count. Okay. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Now, what yeah, was you're your... right. It's a, it's a very short number that must be easy to guess. I mean, if it takes a computer now, in uh, <laughs> you know this this time that we're living in, ten minutes to guess that. Imagine what it's like in the twenty first century, twenty third century. Even. <laughs> okay, so big sexy, you got you got one. Because I was thinking of um, of I think it was generations. The Duras sisters somehow mm-hmm. hijacked a ship, and they're firing on the Enterprise right. and getting through. And they got their shield um, frequencies. Well, they explained that, though. Oh, I know they explained it, but what was it? The, Jordy, what was the modulation? They had Jordy. Oh, wait, you're asking me a trivia question? Yeah, I'm asking you what was, what was the uh, frequency of it. I did not like that movie that much, so I did not retain much of it. I have no clue. You know what? I'm trying to find it now, and I can't find it. So yeah. along. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, give me a nitpick. I felt that the TNG hierarchy was a little officer heavy. I mean, you've said that before, yeah. Yeah, I, I still so your, yeah. your nitpick would be that it's too easy to become a higher rank. Wait, I won't call it easy, 
But again, I understand it's a, a TV show in a closed universe and all that. But you got all these people on your bridge of command status. Some of y'all got to go. <laughs> Riker, I'm looking at you. Data, I'm looking at you. Some of you have got to go. Well, not saying this is just justification, but if you think about it, particularly in um, as we get into the TNG uh, era, that's the TNG is the 24th century, correct? Yes. Okay. They their purpose, like when they design these the ships and the runabouts and the uh, shuttlecraft, the purpose was to make it as easy as possible. That uh, I I know the producers, uh, I read this somewhere with the producers. They wanted they wanted the Enterprise to look like your living room. They wanted that's why at the beginning, they had Data and um, uh, Wesley and them. They look like lazy boys when they. They wanted this to look like it was like a comfortable living room, and they wanted the, the the navigation of the ships to be as simple as possible, which is why you get people all of a sudden just sitting down like Neelix even piloting the damn Voyager, or, uh, you know, uh, there was an example on DS9 that, uh, that fails me right now, where someone just said, uh, Cisco said, okay, take the helm, and it was like someone, like the cook or something, I don't know, someone ridiculous uh, piloting the shuttlecraft, the Defiant. So same same thing with um same thing with all of the 21st century, everything is about ease. So they uh, make it easy for people to advance so that they can move on to other ships. But nobody on the Enterprise moves on. Cause it's the Enterprise, baby. That's why <laughs> no one wants to leave. Let's think about this for a moment. I mean, cause this is a dilemma that's been on Riker's plate for years. Uh huh. Do you want to be number two in the flagship? Or do you want to be the man on your own ship? Hmm. Uh, it is very almost Milton-esque in its thought. Look at this guy. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, from a practical point, I want to be number two or number one. Uh, number two. Did I just say that? I don't want to be number yeah, two. You did. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be number one on the Enterprise because it's a better paycheck probably. In terms of what Paramount's paying me. Oh, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, I got one. I got one. I got one. I hate the fact that every time, well, I'm not going to say every time, I can think of one episode of Voyager where this wasn't the case. Every time, well, I'm going to take that back. I rescind that because this, they, this, well, let me just get it out first. Every time they beam down to an alien culture, it's always a humble agrarian culture that's peace loving and they speak like Shakespearean actors. You notice that? It's always Why why what do you mean? It's always like Good day, sir. How are you today? Go go lightly, Bataille. Uh uh Father, Father, we must plant the harvest. I, we must plant the harvest. I hate that. That's not true. I mean it's the majority of it is true. <laughs> but, you know, there are other cultures that they don't talk that corny. Such and again, as. they're being watched for for an extended amount of time before we even jump down there because of the rules of first contact. The one society where, oh God, in the second or first season of TNG, where Wesley was running around to kids and broke something, because all, all the chicks ran around damn near naked, which was okay. Um... <laughs> 
they didn't speak like that. In fact, the female-dominated society That's didn't true. speak like that. That's true. But like I said, 90% of the time, like, Generations, that movie, perfect example. They go down to this society, and it's all these... And every time they go down to a, to a, to a city, you could tell it's one set was like a village square that's way too clean to be a city. And everyone's got their, their wear set up. You like their like, like their vendor street vendors. Yeah, uh, I do hate that. Every time they go into a city, it's like that. It was like that in generations. It was like that in Inner Light. It was like that in um whenever they go down to Bajor. It's like I I want them to go down to a city where it's like, hey Matt, get out of the way. Or I'm walking in. I'm walking over here. I'm sorry. Hey, Mac. I know. I don't know. I don't know where that came from. I don't know. That was my, you know, 1950s Brooklyn East. Hey, Mac. Yeah. See your mug. See. Yeah. I just I get sick of that whole pious bullshit when they go down. You know, and they they're always so soft spoken and ah. Uh, all right. So. Yeah, well. You're, you're right about that. I think you're right about the the talking, like Shakespearean speaking, and old type of lineup of shops and stuff. I completely agree with you. And of course, one last thing for me would be in the original series, which they fixed later on when they read they did it for the for Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Was every time they went around a planet, it looked like the same freaking planet every time, just with maybe a different color or something. Right. Well, it was a bit silly. Anyway, I'm out. I'm out of nitpicks now. Well, we got a little bit more time, Mark. You got anything else? Well, let's see. Let's go back to the pack leads. I mean, I did like. Now, I liked what, them. let me let me interrupt you for a second. Just yeah. now, the pack leads. That was the race that was in an early TNG episode where they kidnapped Jordy. Yeah, third season. Okay. Okay. Called that Samaritan kind of, Snare. Yes. Yes. They they play like they're stupid, but they're really kind of devious. They, they don't play like they're stupid. <laughs> but they're kind of devious, right? Yeah, they're a little slick. Yeah, they're a little yeah, yeah, slick. Yeah. See, I get the but, pack lids confused with the Zach Dorn. Okay, and who are the Zach Dorn? The Zach Dorn uh, is a race, and they appear in DS9, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the one guy. Uh, well, the actor who plays the Zach Dorn in the TNG episode, um, it was the episode, it was in the, uh, either, I think it was season two. I can't remember the episode title. But they, uh, the Federation hired the Zach Dorn strategist to monitor oh, um, a battle simulation. Yeah, like that. I hated him. Oh, I hated him. Yeah, right. I wanted to punch him. <laughs> Little smug. F- okay. Oh, edit that out. Oh, I hated that guy. Craig, are you familiar with this episode? No, I'm actually just thinking about it now. When you're talking about it, I'm not. Left to remind me. I just seem like I can remember at the end, um, they they managed to. Oh, I remember what it was. Um, they, uh, it was Riker was on an old. He had to refurbish an old starship, and Picard. He was he was up against Picard, and they were doing some um, simulation Lord. battle, yep. right? And then um, something happened where. Oh, uh, they got ambushed by a fleet of. Was it Klingon? Ferengi. Ferengi. It was Ferengi. Scumbags. It, that may have been the debut of the Ferengi. No. No? Okay. Ferengi debuted in season one. 
Okay, and then, yep. and the Zach Dorn guy, I can't remember his name, but he was like, "You gotta kill him, kill him, kill him," and they were like, "Dude, you're the strategist. What are you? T- we can work this out. What's wrong with you?" <laughs> and what what really did him in with me is they were playing a game of Stratagema, and he beat Data, and oh, Dr. Yeah. Lassie's like, "That's impossible." Right. Right. And then at the end of the show, Data's like, hey, "Let's play again," and Data adjusted his parameters so as not to lose, so the guy couldn't beat him. Right, 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 right. But I'm sorry, I interrupted you. So something you were going to nitpick about the Packlets? Well, considering how stupid they are, how could they even get their ship to fly? Well, who's I mean, they would hijack people's tech. Okay, well, we're going to take your tech. All right, how does it go? <laughs> well, now I might get in a lot of trouble. I don't mean oh. any ins- to Uh-oh. insult anyone. Here we go. <laughs> but let's just keep it real. You might work at McDonald's on the fry on the fryer, and you know how to operate that fryer like nobody's business. It doesn't mean that you, Vic Sexy, don't make me say it. Go ahead, say it. Go ahead, say it. It doesn't mean you're gonna be, you know, salt splitting the atom anytime soon. Wow. So well, I guess McDonald's won't be a sponsor anytime soon. So. They might know how to do fly their ship because that's what they've been trained to do, and that's it. Wow. I listen. I'm. I'm. Hey. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Wow. I worked in fast food. You know. Well, I I haven't. <laughs> oh yeah. See. Okay. <laughs> Neither have I. Are oh, you got anything else? Anybody got anything else? Uh, no. I got a quick one. We talked about it offline, you you and me, Big Sexy. Is there money in the Trek universe or not? Because it's my understanding that there was money was done away with after the World War Three or whatever. And somehow this whole fascinating universe built up off the ashes of a world war. That's kind of another nitpick. I don't know how that happens. But, um... They did away with money, and that's per- they make that apparent in Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home, where Kirk tries to pawn his um, glasses to to get money, and he he's like, "Is that?" A-? He says, "I." The guy says, "I'll give you X amount of dollars for it," and Kirk looks at him like, "Yeah, is that's a lot, right?" So he has no clue about the value of money, yet in Star Trek Six, when Bones improbably is helping Spock load up a torpedo and uh kang i think his name is kang he's, yeah the klingon yeah he's he's spouting shakespeare and bone says i play i'd pay money to shut that guy up mm-hmm. so okay so is there money or not which one is it <laughs> again i think bones is an old fart and so maybe in his younger days he actually saw money no i mean to me that would be like me saying you know, uh, it'd be like me referring to the Dead Sea Scrolls or something. <laughs> I mean, it it would it wouldn't make any sense. I I would not have that as my frame of reference. What if Commander or Chief O'Brien had said something along the lines of, "You know what? <clears throat> I have to kiss the Blarney Stone." They were like, "The fuck is that?" That's different. That's you know, culture. That's not. That's cultural. That's true. But money was a part of culture, though. Yeah. Okay. It just seems like if Kirk didn't know about money, had no clue about it. It seems like 
Kirk. I, I put Kirk on the upper platform that, you know, no one's smarter than Kirk. What? I said it. <laughs> I said it. <laughs> oh, brother, please. All right, let's move right. on. I got I got two more. Two more. Okay. The communicate the communications throughout the ship. Sometimes they tap their comm badges to communicate. Sometimes they say computer. And other times they just they just start talking. How does communication work on on these starships? Hmm. You know? Well, if they're on the ship, the badges should not be really needed. But I've heard I see them I've seen them I've seen them too. I've seen yeah. them too. Yeah, maybe there's... Re- I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And listen, now we're in the 21st century, and I have to say, hey Siri, or I have to say Alexa, every time I want to communicate with these devices. You mean to tell me there's not a way for them in the 21st century not to have to say computer every time? <laughs> well, it, well, if you think about it, there's got to be a keyword, right? Otherwise, how does the computer know that you're talking to it? There you go. Cool. Yeah. So I guess you and I will be saying, hey, Siri, for the rest of our lives. <laughs> not me. I'm it, not using one. Because Siri what? doesn't know. It doesn't, doesn't have, uh, you know, tapping into our brain. And it doesn't know that we want, we want her to do something for us. But, I heard. There you go. Right on, See? right on cue. I found this on the web for doesn't know, doesn't, doesn't have a tapping. <laughs> oh, so Lord. I, I, I hate that. I can't say the word. <laughs> Yeah, but Shut I said, hey, Siri, so she reacted, right? She, right? She's listening all the time for, hey, Siri. But to get back to the computer thing, basically, they have to say a keyword. They have to. It would just seem like it would get annoying. It seemed like it would make more sense to tap your comm badge, and then it would have um, some kind of fingertip recognition that's Wi-Fi or Bluetooth to the computer. So I you... don't think it's fingertip. I think it's just more of like a little on-off switch. No, no. I, I, oh, you're saying... For my suggestion, yeah, on the combat, yeah. I just want to tap that and be able to communicate with the computer. I don't want to have to say computer every time. All right, let me go ahead and make. And, a, and how does the computer? Mission. If you don't, how does the computer know to disengage? What if you're? What if you are? What if you're um, Riker, and you're about to get it on with Troy? Computer, <laughs> dim the lights to ten percent. Damn. Troy comes in there, starts getting naked. Y'all start doing it, and you you forget to disengage the computer, <laughs> and possibly people are hearing you throughout the ship. <laughs> no, I think the computer is disengaged already. It says you know, Riker's all computer. Lights to ten percent, and that's that. It, yeah, I it, agree. it gave him the task, and he, and the computer did the task, and that's it. There have been a lot of instances where people are using the computer to figure something out, and they'll say, "Computer, uh, map me a model of this ship." Like, for example, when Jordy is trying to build, um, he's building um, the woman that he likes. What's the woman's name? There's an episode. Leah Brahms. Leah Brahms. He's building her in the holodeck, right? That was creepy. <laughs> he only he only said computer one time. So the computer well, knew he would, So and the computer would, would uh, do what he asked it to do, and the computer wouldn't shut off because he wouldn't have to say computer again. But he was in the holodeck, and he What's was in there matter? by himself, obviously. And so everything he said in the guise of a command or a question was by default aimed at the computer. Had someone else come in, the computer would have sensed another another presence 
or had it generated another person in its holodeck okay. mode, okay. it'll generate. It'll notice that too. Remember me when when Crusher is trying to figure out what's happening to the starship. She doesn't yet know she's in a warp bubble. She says, "Computer, one time." She said, extrapolate, uh, how big is the Enterprise? The Enterprise is only uh, uh, two feet long. How, how big is the universe? The universe is two feet long. She doesn't ask for the computer. She doesn't say computer every time. And she's yeah, not on the holodeck. An anomaly. Okay, all right. So that's, that's, that's in count. <laughs> all right. So, all right, so we're going to wrap this up. But I have one. I, I got one, and it is a doozy, guys. It is a doozy. I just want to take take a couple minutes, and I want some really serious, trenchant, deep intellectual thought. Go to okay. another show. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I, well, whatever you guys can give me. I'm kidding. I'm joking. <laughs> In the Star Trek universe, is there or is there not a god? Define god. The answer is no. The, okay. Uh, not let's let's put let's put aside alien gods, human uh, human gods, uh, uh, Yahweh, uh, Hin, uh, the Hindu god. I, I, the name escapes me. Buddha, uh, Muhammad. Are these do these gods exist in Star Trek? Because it was mine. I I got the feeling I don't know why, but I thought that God or religion was something that was done away with, at least in Terran or Earth culture. Yeah, you hear people like Bones say, "Oh my God, uh, my God, man!" We're talking. Uh, what did he say? My God, we're talking about Universal Armageddon. You know. I think the premise of religion is still present because it is rampant in Klingon and Bajoran culture. Right. I'm talking about human culture, though. Now, as far as human culture, Earth culture. I believe it is as well because at one point the last of the Native Americans left Earth, got their own planet, which was too close to the Cardassian border, which started some shit. But they did that and they still did a lot of their traditional and held their traditional beliefs, as does Commander Chicote. All right. Good point. Good point. Craig, you have some thoughts? Yeah. So, uh, well, I took your question literally, um, but yes, the the humans still appear to want to believe. Maybe that's the right way to put it in the Star Trek universe. See, I brought this episode up earlier, the chase. I mean, if you go to a remote planet, you and other three other species of humanoid, and you find this creature who's a humanoid and says... You are the product of my DNA. Wouldn't that question all of your all of their religious beliefs? No. That was the one problem I had with that episode. No, not at all. Um, because again, when you talk about relief, beliefs, religious beliefs, in a Terran sense, you know th- that's only the one frame of reference. Once you branched out into multiple cultures and planets and universes then it all becomes a different a whole different question because what we see and we can't even agree as earth people on one form of religion then you get out to the klingons and you get out to the 
Cardassians and Bajorans and all this. And so when somebody appears out of nowhere and says, look, all my DNA or all you guys are a piece of my DNA. Okay, fine. Let's assume that's true. Where did his DNA come from? So the question still remains unanswered. Mm. You know, using, using the Bajorans, they believe in the prophets. Okay. But as we know, they are the wormhole aliens and they talk to Cisco. Well, the prop. They uh, believe it. I think. Well, the prop. Okay. Well, they don't worship the prop. The prophets are a part of their religious culture, but they don't. Yes. They worship a god, not the prophets, do they? No, they worship the prophets. Well, that doesn't make any sense because the prophets usually prophesize for their god. You, oh, you know, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, they they were they're called the prophets out there in the, in the wormhole. Yeah. I mean, technically, a prophet is just somebody who is prophesizing what's going to happen in the future. It doesn't have to be for a specific god. Right, and but I what think... I'm saying is it makes no sense to worship, unless, I mean, you can worship the prophet, but not as God, not as a god. They do. Well, and again, when you think about it, you have all these, oh, what are they called? Um, the Eye of the Prophets, those little boxes of doohickeys right. that, that Bajor Bajorans have, right. each one for a, for a different thing. And some people, you know, Cisco have been communicated through, you know, through those with the prophet. That was bad grammar. And some people who have been high up in the Bajoran religious hierarchy, Kai Wen, Hefa, have have never been contacted by them. I can't stand that woman. She's a piece of work, man. <laughs> man, she's a piece of work. Oh, I can't stand. Every time I see her, I just cringe. All right, so and she's gonna... so smug. Oh, yes, my child. You know you ain't shit. Okay, you and I both know you did some dirt. See, Craig, see how he makes me work on the edit? I got to keep it in mind. <laughs> you know, when You're I getting posted, no sleep this week. When I posted up on iTunes, I put, uh, we had to uh, uh, select between clean, explicit, or, uh, I put clean. <laughs> uh, you like. <laughs> now, okay, we're going to close shop here, uh, but, um. Uh, a new fan to the show. His name is John Hutton, and I, I know him through Afro Nerd Radio. He is a uh, ardent um, listener to Afro Nerd, as am I. Uh, John Hutton. He he uh, put up a uh, posted up on our Twitter page. He doesn't like how the Prime Directive gets constantly bent over a chair, and oh. nobody gets court-martialed. <laughs> you know, when was the last time somebody really caught it? For violating the Prime Directive. In Insurrection, didn't anything, didn't something happen to Data? No, 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 he wasn't, he oh. didn't violate the Prime Directive, did he? I don't believe so. Well, when, when was, okay, I guess, I know that people have, have violated the Prime Directive, but it seemed like there was always an out. There were, where it wasn't really a violation. Am I correct? Well, the ends justify the means every time they do it. Wait a minute, wait a minute. If John is listening, I remember um, one of my favorite Voyager episodes. It was called, I can't remember the name of it. But it was in, like, within the first two seasons. Great episode where um, where uh, they meet, they go on this pleasure planet. Not Risa, because in the, in the Delta Quadrant. And this guy uh, wants them to stay, but they keep trying to hope that he will... They have this technology... That can transport you across the galaxy in the in a wink of an eye, and 
Yes, I remember that one. And uh, uh, Janeway is trying to convince the guy to, to let them use it, but he says that they have a hands-off policy when it comes to giving their... He's like the Watcher, Uatu, if you're a Marvel Comics fan. And so uh, Janeway says, okay, it's time for us to go. You, you never wanted to help us at all. You just... You just like the pleasure of our company. You want to hear us. They were big into stories. And so Tuvok, uh, Balana, and another, I think, an, an unknown crew member, they conspire to steal this technology and put it in, in Voyager's ship. And it almost destroys the ship. And um, and that's and so that's a Is that a Wait a minute. Maybe that's not a violation of the Prime Directive. Can you violate the Prime Directive if you've already made first contact? Yeah. You can, right? You you can't do anything that, you know, changes the natural outcome of their society. And so... Well, that wasn't a violation then. Maybe I'm No, wrong. that was a violation. But, but again, man, you can't steal people's shit like that. <laughs> well, no, well, no, you're right. But is that a violation of the Prime Directive or, or is that just theft? That's just theft. So it's yeah, not a violation theft. of the Prime Directive. So I'm wrong about no. that. No, no. Now, a violation of the Prime Directive was when, in TNG, uh, before First Contact, there, were, there was a group of doctors looking at this culture, and their camouflage blind malfunctioned, and they got seen. And then they had Riker dressed up as one of them, go get him, and somebody saw him. Wait, this is gener- they- the movie Generations, right? No, 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 no. This is a, this is a series. Then oh, who, who watches the watchers? Who watches the that watchers? One. Who watches yes. the watchers? Yes, that you're one. right. Yep. The minute Picard, and again, and uh, oh, geez, in another episode of TNG, when Worf's brother essentially took an entire settlement of people of Bajorans, I believe, and beamed them onto the holodeck. I vaguely remember uh, his brother, uh, not Moog, but the guy who plays Tony Todd plays his brother. That guy. No, no, not not, not him, not him. His his uh, brother from his human parents. Oh, I don't remember that. Oh yeah, I remember the situation, but I don't remember who played the brother. I remember that vaguely. And one of the people that you know was transported up found a way out, and he's walking the corridors. He's like, "What the hell I is this?" I like I do remember that. Yes, yes. And they found him. And they're like, well, we can't wipe his brain. It's not going to work. And the guy ended up killing himself to relieve himself of the burden of all of what he saw. And it was it was a chicken way out of the Prime Directive violation. Did Picard violate the Prime Directive when he showed Lily that she was in a starship in First Contact? I think so. And, but and all of the... to... you know. Go ahead. Picard was trying to max, so you know. <laughs> play, play. In, in all these instances, no one received any punishment, right? I can't think of anybody catching heat for those particular violations. Now, again, we saw Paris catch a smack, and he did it for disobeying orders more than a violation of the Prime Directive. What about when um, when Kirk was um, uh, really uh, put down back to? captain when he was admiral on uh, star trek 4 what did he was that for a violation of prime director what what was the reasoning for that i don't think that was prime director i think that was kirk being you know cowboy <laughs> you know yeah, he's i think it, it was him <laughs> disobeying orders or something wasn't it 
Clearly for this Kirk, he don't pay attention to anybody. <laughs> what did he do? I forget why they... He went back... Was it because he went back in time? Or... Well, these aren't prime directive violations. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just conflating right now. But John, I guess you're right. No, hey, join Starfleet. <laughs> <laughs> Rules be damned. Just like, uh, just like, um, well, again, it's not a prime directive violation, but that's a good nitpick right there. How often the rules get flouted. You know, first yeah, contact, first contact. We're going to, uh, are we going to engage the Borg, sir? No, we're going to go categorize Dust Nebula. What? <laughs> and then uh, Data's like, I think I speak for us all when I say to hell without orders. <laughs> when Data, when when Data's on, on one, you know you got problems. <laughs> yeah, when Data's starting to break bad, it's about to go down. <laughs> oh, speaking of that, um, my one of my, and then we'll, we'll wrap up here. One of my favorite episodes of Data when you said Data breaking bad, and he was he he didn't even have his emotion chip. But Data kind of went African American on this one dude, man. <laughs> oh, here you go. Okay. Was it? Was it um, it was Data oh, Huey. Was <laughs> it um, the episode where the Rom? It was a two-parter, where Data was captain, and this one smug mother, man. Oh. <laughs> and he talks about me now. He kept, you know, <laughs> I know uh, you're talking. I can't. I redemption. Talking. I think it was redemption. redemption. It was redemption. Mister Hobson. If you cannot follow yep. my orders, I will relieve you and find someone who can. And I'm like, yeah, that dude got so he got data so pissed off. I don't even have an emotion chip. I'm about to get in your ass, dude. <laughs> but he, but he broke off work one day too, though. The same way. Did he? It was during the episode two parter Gambit, because Picard was undercover, and they had they had kidnapped Riker, leaving Data in command. Right. And Worf as his you know first officer. And Worf would always question shit. I think I remember that. And then Data's like, Mr. Worf, I need to see you in the ready room. And then he lit his ass up. <laughs> I think I remember that. Yes. Yes. That's another episode I want to do. People who got sunned on Star Trek. Oh, Worf, got, Worf <laughs> caught one that day. Because Worf caught one from Picard where, um, I think I mentioned this before, I think it was called Ethics. No, not Ethics. Uh, it was uh, Romulan was going oh, uh, to die. The, the enemy? I can't remember. Yes. But uh, yes. yeah, he says, Picard wants Worf to donate his, give his blood to the Romulan. And uh, he uh, Worf obviously says no. Picard brings him into his ready room. He's like, Mr. Worf, um, you've been happy under my leadership. Is that correct? And, and Worf just, you know, just, you know, calmly says, yes, Captain. I've had no reason to complain. And Picard snapped him back. He said, Oh, Mr. Worf, even if you had reason to complain, you would not. And I was like, oh! <laughs> well, he wouldn't. That's not Worf's way, man. Yeah, man. But Worf is stuck. He's getting sun left and right on DS9, too. <laughs> <sighs> but, all right. <laughs> Listen, guys, and uh, to all our listeners. Oh, and by the way, thank you to John Hutton for... Uh, submitting that um that particular nitpick uh and i guess you're right yeah like i said join starfleet do whatever you want see the stars but um just don't get in the way of kirk picard or uh cisco because cisco snapped oh wait a minute cisco snapped Worf too cisco asked Worf to get into uh to go find somebody on one of the shuttlecraft 
I think it was uh, Kira or someone. And Worf just says, well, you know, I can do that, but it's going to be a little difficult because the Ion Trail, I know it's going to be difficult, Mr. Dismissed. And I was like, oh, not, you remember that episode? I, I'm not going to spoil anything. Yeah. But in season six, oh, right. Worf catches another one. I don't like how they're doing my boy Worf, man. <laughs> oh, the one Worf catches in this one? Yeah. Warranted. Okay, okay. But you, I'll just leave it at that. All right. That. Okay, cool, cool, cool. But he does catch one. All right, guys, any last words? Yes. I'm trying to scan through the two-weeks episode, and I can't see what happened on just, I'm just saying transporter malfunction. But Kess was so cute until they brought 709 in. Damn. Kess was but cute, I... but ultimately pointless, annoying, no charisma, bland, <laughs> meh. And then they bring in 709 and take her out of that Borg hardware and open that door and she's in the, in the little Borg room wearing a skin-tight suit. I'm like, you hey, just okay. who? So much for any feminist sponsorships. Okay. <laughs> Craig, any bad. <laughs> okay, we know this. We know this. Craig, any last words? I feel like we covered a good lot of nitpicks on today's show. I'm feeling quite satisfied. All right. So listen... What you got, Big Sexy? What? Still hates flocks. Okay, that you know, that's like saying grass is green. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> the sky is blue, rain is wet. Um, so there you have it. Our nitpicks. I'm sure there are a lot more, but uh, you know, we love Star Trek too much to go too deep. You know, because ultimately, they Star Trek they can do no wrong. Well, man, let me take that back. Enterprise. Oh, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Enterprise had a moment. <laughs> you know, it had a moment with my girl in the sonic shower. Other than that, Enough, yeah. man. <laughs> as soon as I finish DS9, I'm going to start watching Enterprise. Um, do it. <laughs> but listen, if you have any nitpicks that we didn't cover, please email us at um, redshirtspodcast at gmail.com. Tweet at, you can tweet us at redshirts1701. Look for redshirts on Tumblr. And definitely, definitely, people, I'm going to beg one more time. Well, I'm going to beg as many times as I need to. Uh, go to iTunes, subscribe, download us, set us up on your RSS feeds. Did I say that right, Craig? Is that RSS feeds? Yes, you did. Okay, great. Um, and most importantly, please leave us a review and leave us a rating. That's the only way we're going to rise up through the ranks uh, of all of the Star Trek podcasts that are out there. I'm not going to give them any publicity. <laughs> Because we want you listening to the red shirts. We will, we're willing to die for you. We wear our red proudly. So please, go to iTunes, leave us a review, leave us a comment, email us, get, check us out on Tumblr, Facebook. You can check us out on Facebook as well, uh, Red Shirts, a Star Trek podcast. And with that, we're out. See you next time. Good stuff. Red Shirts is not endorsed by Paramount Pictures, Viacom, or CBS. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Star Trek, the Star Trek logo, and all names, pictures, and audio of Star Trek characters are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective trademark and or copyright holders.